Hi, welcome to church today. The message you're about to listen to came from a recent gathering at our church. Be encouraged as you enjoy this message. So David and Denise, let's go ahead and welcome you guys. Come on up. Hallelujah. 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 No, Father, we do. We shift gears now. We do thank you so much, God, just for the, the joy and indeed the family that you've caused us to become. We thank you, Father, for the grace and the revelation of the covenant of marriage. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name that by your spirit, you actually married every one of us. And it's an incredible thing. So we do thank you for the opportunity just to talk and to share with David and Denise and just ask questions and hopefully gain insight, Father, into how other relationships can be helped, even if they're single, that they might learn what it means, Father, to just walk in covenant one with another, how to overcome obstacles, all of the above. So we give you thanks for this, Father, and we do. We release, we dedicate these next few moments to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Do your mics work? One, two, one, two. One, two. Three. Four, five. Beloved. Okay, so I want to ask, how have you found adjusting from singleness to married life? And give us some practical insights for those who are single. a little question um um um, micah gosh for us it hasn't really been an a period of adjusting yes there is a change but for us when we were courting it was very much okay well we know that we want to get married so we didn't really even step into us like wasting each other's time as it were because by the time we got to us courting we had made in both of us in our own rights made a decision. The next relationship I want to enter in would actually have to lead to marriage. So that's probably the first thing that I wanted to share. Um, And there were just little things that we did from when we were courting that we still practice now. So if David has a gig, for example, um, if, when, (laughs) when David has a gig, um, um, he will ask me, can he actually do it or not? And this was even before we got married. So he would realize that, okay, well, for example, um, if he's got a gig on the Saturday, for example, he might not be able to see me on a Wednesday. Whether we had planned to do something or not on that day, he would still let me know and still give me the option or the choice to be able to say, no, I don't really like that gig and I don't want you doing it. Or I actually wanted us to go out, for example. Um, Or even if we're not doing anything, then we weren't going to be spending time together. I had the freedom to be able to share and say no. I don't actually really want to do that. Wonderful. Yeah, just to um, add to that, I think communication was, was the main one that we were always implementing from an early um, point in our relationship. In terms of, you know, even when there are disagreements or um, a difference of opinion, just being able to, um, you know, not let the sun go down your anger. You know, all these things you hear in Marriage 101. Um, we decided to implement that very early on um, and practicing that even with, you know, at first we were in two different cities. Um, I was in Birmingham studying and Denise was in London. So practicing that over, you know, 110 miles and then being in the same city but not in the same house, so that's 30 miles or whatever the case may be. Um, and then 
now transitioning to marriage, we have found that holding on to those principles, and if there are rocky moments, um, sometimes we just remind ourselves of, well, we've done this before. We, we've been in these situations before. How did we resolve it last time? Um, even though we weren't married and living in the same house, um, still the principles apply. So in terms of advice for those who are single or maybe in the beginning stages of their marriage, of their relationship, just borrow from, from those who have been there before. You know, there's so much wisdom available um, in the church um, of different practices on how to resolve differences. Don't wait until you're married to learn how to resolve things or don't wait until you're married. You know, for someone like me who does music and is always busy, don't wait until you're married to let your wife or your spouse or your, your partner into that part of your life. So just having that total transparency and honesty, um, we, we did that from very early on and it, and it helped us when, you know, when, when we were exchanging and everything was legal, uh, we were able to really just carry on in, in the same flow. I think a practical sorry, example is um, there were many times where I would be up, we would be up very early in the morning and mum will realise this and she knows what I'm about to say that she would come into the kitchen, David would be there and we'd be sitting there, well he'd probably be on the ledge or something and be talking and be like no but you know this that and the other and we'd be sharing and this that and the other and mum as in David's mum would be like okay bye and he would still be up and we'd still be trying to sort out whatever the issue was. And because it was very much um, a thing that was very important to both of us, it was implemented from, like we said, from very, very the very, very beginning. You guys actually had known each other about four or five months before you got married, right? Yeah, something like that. No, seriously, I mean, you, <laughs> you guys basically grew up in this church together, didn't you? Yes, we did. Yeah, so you've known each other since you were kids, basically. Little bitty ones, because I still remember David in diapers. Not really, but, well, he wore diapers. He was eight years old, but for some reason, Karen, Karen and Mike still had him in diapers. I don't know what that was about. I was just there to tell me what I remember about him. Okay, so moving on. <laughs> no, no, no. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> now, I'm curious. When, you know, you guys, like I said, you knew each other, youth group. Just sitting here, they're just friends, buddies in church. You know what I mean? Like every, like a lot of different people are. When did you first notice that? Yeah, I think I'm interested. When did you think it? When, who, who do you think noticed first? All right, brother. Okay. Say it loud. Say uh, it proud. Uh, we have different stories of. Trust me, all marriages have different <laughs> We have different stories. <laughs> Believe of, me, all marriages. Of who liked who first. And, no, okay. Come on. The difference in opinion is not who liked who first, it's which year the liking started. That's the difference in opinion. I did like her first. Um, you did like her first? I did like her first. But you there's a school like of thought that um, believes that this process started very early on as in like the first day I saw her. And there's a school of thought, my school of thought, that remembers the truth. <laughs> when did you feel interested in this young man? I Was it a revelation from heaven? Yeah, basically I was in church and he was playing and the angel of the Lord descended and I was like, yes, Jesus, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I wasn't like that. Um, we were actually serving together in the youth, and 
at the time we had particular partners and I was like, oh, it was cool to just speak to him because at the time we had to develop a friendship. And so some of my friends that are here now will remember me saying, yeah, my friend David, this, that, and that, blah, 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 blah. And when I did come to tell them about it, they were like, yeah, D, we already knew that you liked him. And I was like, oh, okay. I was just talking about him as my friend. Um, and the actual year that I liked him was about 2011. Yeah, that's, that's the main uh, part of the story. Uh, 2011, is, 2011 is, is the year it all happened. Um, for me, it was uh, the process that developed over a number of months and actually entered into the year, um, not against relationships, but I, I was in a place in my life where I was like, okay, let's, let's just try and make it work next time. Um, just because of the journey that I'd been on to that point. And I'd come home from from Birmingham to London uh, on my gap year, and like Denise said, we were serving in the youth. And there were different incidents throughout the year that kind of put together a picture where I knew this, this could actually work. Um, different elements that I saw, it wasn't all in one, uh, because like Denise said, we were developing a friendship. So you see different things at different points. Um, and she continued to just shine and impress me. And here we are. That's great. No, and, I'm, and the reason I just wanted to say one other thing is because I, what I think, one of the things I admire, I think, about you two and how you wound up coming together as you did is that you didn't really fall into that trap where your friends put you under pressure. You know what I mean? How we often say in church, you know, the moment like dating is a real tough issue in a church because if a guy a single single that's hopefully a single guy should ask a single girl that's one of the first revelations you need to hear okay single single anyhow but you know the, if you ask somebody to go to dinner or something like that you know instantly isn't it most of the time the truth you know everybody in church goes <laughs> you guys are in love huh i don't mean you know you don't even have a chance to as it were just date, get to know somebody, enjoy a meal with each other. And that's a tough issue in church so often. Um, you know, they, people need to have the freedom just to get to know the other, other, the opposite sex, you know, how they function, get to know likes and dislikes, character traits and what have you. But I, as I remember, if I'm correct, like I said, you guys didn't fall prone to that kind of thing. I don't think anybody actually put, as it were, any pressure on you. I mean, kept nudging you toward each other. I think it was just something that truly God began to lead you into. Would you say that's correct? It wasn't pressure. People mentioned it and people suggested. Yeah. And I was honest. I was like, no, at first. And then when it got to a point that I, I knew I liked it, I was like, yes. <laughs> you know? And um, it's just real honest. I, I don't mind if people ask, but, you know, I, I wasn't going to, I think maybe because of where I was in my life, I wasn't going to put myself into a situation and waste her time. Um, and we, when we did, you know, <laughs> start dating, we we both were honest with each other like this. This is going to happen. This is gonna it's gonna work. Um, not that we were forcing each other that we have to get married, have to get married, but we both knew that we were serious. You know, and, and it wasn't you don't you don't mess about with these things. I mean, people's hearts and emotions and lives are involved. So um, yeah. I think one of the things that also helped was because of the characters we are in our church when we did make that decision to actually get to know each other, it wasn't something that we publicized. So I think for some people, when we actually did come out and say we're getting engaged, 
or that we are engaged, some of us, some people are like, I didn't even know they were together. So for us, it was very much because David isn't, well, David at the time wasn't in the country, or David wasn't in the city, sorry. Well, there have been times where he hasn't been in the country. It felt like the country. There, there, there are different <laughs> stories, trust me. <laughs> she didn't even know. She thought David was in Uganda. You might as well have been. No, I'm joking. Birmingham um, is not Uganda. Cool. Thank you. I'll, I'll learn that lesson. Um, but because he wasn't in the city as, as such, um, there were times where I'd come to church and no one would really see us together. So no one could really be like, oh, I wonder, and I wonder. It was only maybe after a while you're like, every time he comes down, they're always together. You might have kind of maybe wondered and stuff. And so for us, it was something that we didn't want to just publicize because we didn't know. Yes, we wanted it to go towards marriage, but we didn't want to be then like, yes, we're together and this, that, and other. And even on social media and stuff like that, we didn't publicize it. It was something that we just kept very in-house um, and we kept it very sacred and something special. And just on that point, um, <clears throat> with, with everything that I do um, outside of outside of, you know Sunday morning, I remember we had a conversation about social media and how it works and how much do we let people in. And I was very adamant that we kept quite a lot off the screens. Um, <clears throat> not just because I didn't think 3,000 people on my Facebook page needed to know, um, but also because there was so much of my life which is lived out in public. And, I mean, I, I, even last night I was in Birmingham and I met people who I never even knew knew my name. And they're talking about how, you know, oh, you inspired me to this, I remember this gig. And, and they're going back five, six, seven years and they've been to all my shows and bought all my albums and whatever. And I didn't want Denise to be subjected to that too early without her being able to make that choice. Like if she wants to step into a more of a public line, then I'm like, then that's, that's fine. But that was a choice I made independent of her. So obviously I still have the public social media persona, um, but then we also know we have us. And still to this day, we, we cherish those moments where we can just go off and it's just us and it's really beautiful. And that, that for me is more important than the spotlight and everything because that, that's just secondary. I was just wondering, because you guys have known each other since you were young, you knew each other for such a long time, are there things looking back now that you wish you'd talked about a bit more or dealt with some issues before you got married? And if so, are you vulnerable enough to share them and help us? Very good question. I don't think there's anything specific, but I think we just... Because the first few years of our, of, you know, us being friends is like growing up in church. The nature of many church relationships is sometimes it's very much, you know, one week in, one week out. And because I, maybe I was so busy with worship and doing so many other things. And then when Denise went off to uni, I'm still here in London. And so there's different things that kind of hindered us really being able to get that time together. And then when we started dating, just things about, you know, her family background i didn't really know too much um and as she began to share i then understood why she is how she is why she reacts a certain way and from that point till till now we still sometimes have to 
maneuver through situations that we realize are rooted in either my past, her past, um, our families, uh, mentalities that we might have brought up, uh, that we might have in, the, in our upbringing, that in a casual conversation you would never pick up. You know, um, so spending that much time together and obviously now being married, we now have a chance to really get into some stuff. And sometimes it's, I mean, for the most part, it's always uh, a blessing because you're stronger after that. It may not always feel like in the time when you're having that conversation um, and someone's, you know, not delving into your past, but trying to really bring out some, some core, core strength. But, you know, for the gym enthusiasts, in, in the building, um, like Pastor Lord, we all know that there is no gain without you know that pain. So I've always likened everything in our, our marriage to being in the gym and just developing from that. So whether it's in a negative moment or a positive moment, it's all part of that process of getting stronger. Did you ever discuss your dreams when you were dating, when you were single? Definitely, I think. And David's mentioned this before, that that's one of the things that he loved about me even before we got together. So when we were younger, I would always talk about me wanting to be a journalist. And I went out and I did it. Um, and that was one of the things he was like, You've, you said it for years from when we were like 11, 12 or whatever. And, and I was then 16 and I actually went out and I then, you know, started interviewing some of the biggest names. He had heard me for years saying that's what I want to do. So he knew that's the kind of person that I was. So when we got together and we were talking about our dreams and what is it that I want to do and what is it that he wants to do, he already kind of had that advantage about, okay, well, I know already that when she puts her mind to something, she's definitely going to do it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, my on my list of um, desirable attributes in, in a partner, I, I definitely had someone who can dream bigger than me because I have some pretty crazy ones. And over the course of growing up, outside of my family, there weren't many people I could share these dreams with because they weren't quite big. And whether it's prophetic words from you know, you're five years old and someone tells you you're going to do this in your generation, you know, it's not easy to communicate that to people sometimes. So when me and Denise started to speak and I realized that she spoke the same language, not in terms of the actual specifics of the dream, but in terms of how to attain it and how to go after it, how to handle disappointment, that's a big part of chasing your dream it's not just the good stuff it's also when it doesn't work out and she'd been through that so for me to be able to communicate my dream and, and hear her stories it encouraged me and she does it even two three weeks ago she said right cool we need another list what do you want what do you want to achieve you know and i'm not okay gosh i it down I, I don't really like writing stuff down but you know i'm learning you were able to as it were celebrate Thing, again, something I think I noticed about you is that you were able to celebrate your independence. And it was because both of you, like you said, you both have very great strengths, individual strengths. And in some relationships, say the least, when you've got two strong people, it can cause like iron sharpens iron. You can be a lot of sparks. We always joke about that between Julie and I. Yeah. <laughs> You know how couples, we used to talk about like every Christian couple, when they start getting together, you know, they start looking for a verse, you know, some real sweet, sweet verse, kissy, kissy, wiggy, wiggy, wiggy verse. You know, and, and that was a verse God did give Julie and I, you know, iron sharpens iron. And uh, we used to laugh. We strength, and we go from strength to strength, yeah. 
and there's no one who has so kindred a spirit as you who will naturally care for my welfare. So he took me out for fish and chips. So I took out fish and chips. No, he he always took me. I am a romantic. No, he was so wonderful because I... Food was like the bottom of my list, and Rod would be like, okay, we're going to lunch. You know, it was really good. Is there some advice you can give us? I feel like we're missing something a bit deeper. Can maybe I can add to that question, too, since I'm, you know, I'm the, I'm the big cheese. <laughs> Sorry, we're, yeah. we're trying. We did, yeah, we're still when you guys, I know that you came to us for counseling a few times, premarital counseling, this kind of stuff, and I, you did a couple of other things, too. I think maybe, did you go to HTB, remind me, to the marriage class, or... Whatever you sinned, I thought you did that. You told me you did that. I wasn't going to marry you if I knew that. So, but tell me some of the, you know, whether it was through us or whosoever. What I'm trying to say is, how important to you is it, or was it, you know, for you to seriously sit down, no matter because again, couples think they know each other perfectly, but inevitably, you know, it's only when you get asked some hard questions sometimes do you begin to look. Okay, I really do need to think about this. I can't just go into a relationship or particularly a marriage just thinking, oh, I love him so much. No matter what he ever does, I love him. And vice versa. So I'm just saying, what do you think some of the hurt you the most before you got married? I think one of the things that I remember Pastor Laurie saying to us when we were younger is don't just always be with them alone. Um, it's great to be able to talk to someone one-on-one and they can kind of put up a facade as it were but when you see them with their mum when you see them with their family when you see them around kids when you see them in different situations they can't be fake around that and so that was one of the things that has always kind of guided me so I know that David is really good with kids because I've seen him when he's around you know the kids at church and how they react to him and you know is he can he can he have his patience with them can he not have his patience with them um and I saw what he was like when he was with his family. So I remember before when we used to do our two services, before we actually got together, there would be times where I'd just be sitting with the pals, just sitting there, just talking. And it wasn't that I was interested. I was just, okay, this is just family. And I'll just sit and I'll just talk. And you get to see what he was like in his like family environment. So I think it's... <laughs> I think Now she's a pal. It's great. Um, so I think one of the, the advice that I would definitely like to give to someone who's either single is just don't kind of always be on one-on-one. See them in different environments, see them in different um, lights. So if it's a professional setting, if it's with kids, if it's with their family, it's not just about, okay, this two-way relationship. And I think also you have to see how they're like with worship for me as well, because worship is very important for me or to me. Um, and if I'm spinning around, but you're just kind of silent and you're kind of quiet, which is which is nothing wrong with that. But I'm quite animated sometimes when I'm worshiping. And so, what are you like when you're like when you're in that moment with God? Are you really animated? Are you quite quiet? And it's seeing things like that that um, informed me to be able to be like, oh, okay, he could he could kind of cut the bill. I I went the church I went to in, in Birmingham. I was great at doing practical courses. Um, our evening, Sunday evening service was for many years given over to, to that kind of stuff. So whether it's finances, uh, marriage, um, they did it probably three times a year, went over marriage, and it was really good. 
um, they had like question and answer forums similar to this, and and the pastors would take you know questions and, and really be completely honest. So that was my first kind of foundation I had to go off. Um, also, just my relationship with Jesus, into you know like you said earlier about us being married to Christ, and so without even thinking it was for a particular purpose, I began. I remember I had a really um, key year in my life where that was a main kind of focus of my of my study in terms of my relationship with Jesus and intimacy with God and what it means and his covenant relationship with myself. So, hence, when we got, when we first started dating, within the first two weeks, I said to her, okay, by the way, this is this is one of my life principles. And, you know, I kind of set it up nicely and I said, nothing can separate you from my love. And she was like, what? And I said, it has to be that way because how can I do you a disservice if Father loves me and says nothing can separate you from my love, nothing can separate you from my love. Because that's just how it's going to be. It's going to be unconditional. Has that been tried and tested many yes. times? Yes. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? There are situations where, you know, you're, you're putting that, oh, okay, I didn't know this was going to happen. I didn't see this coming. And in that moment, that's when I, revert, and I have to rely back on to God and say, Lord, if you are able to love me in some of my mess, Right, and some of my mistakes and some of my left turns and, and you know, doubts and unbelief or whatever the case may be, then teach me how to love in this moment. Um, and that was something that we talked about extensively and still to this day we just remind ourselves, like, this is unconditional. No matter what, it doesn't matter how long the argument goes on or how short the argument, what it was about, whether you're really getting at this part and I don't want to talk about it or whatever, we, it's going to be unconditional and, and when you really make a covenant promise to do that, God then gives you the grace to execute. Um, and the final thing for me was my family. Just watching, not just my family, like my mum and dad, who've been married 28 years now? Yes, 28. Watching them, watching the pastors and, and, and learning, not just watching, but learning from them. You know, I remember, I think I said to my dad, it's either the day before I got married or couple days after i remember i said to him um actually was when i came back from honeymoon the first thing i said was that dad my presiding memory of my childhood is you know waking up to go get a drink of water from from the um, kitchen and seeing my dad flat out on his face in the front room six o'clock every morning to this day he's just praying and for everything else in life as a husband i just knew that was the level we had to be at, if not more. So things like that and just appropriating them into our lives um, kind of helped, like we talked about earlier, the adjustment period, and helped us kind of fight anything that comes our way as well. So you were saying, like you, you know, jokingly, like you said, of course there's been disagreements. So how do you normally, um, how, how do you handle it? I mean, I'm sure some of it's basic, but how do you handle it? We communicate. We have to... I'm the kind of person who probably doesn't want to talk about it. I need a minute before... Who's we... the most emotional between the two of you? <laughs> Who's the I most... I think we're both. We're both quite emotional. Yeah. Um, Dave is probably more sensitive, though. Um, but I have my moments. <laughs> um, and... I'm the kind of person who, if 
there's an issue, I probably don't want to talk about it. You need to kind of give me a minute or at least five minutes. And <laughs> five days? No, 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 no. I, I, okay, one particular time, um, I remember he annoyed me, and I was like, "You've annoyed me. I don't want to talk to you. I've turned my phone off, and I'll talk to you whenever I put my phone back on." <laughs> and he came back to me. Um, well, I came back to him, and I'd seen like loads of messages from him and him explaining his standpoint or whatever. And when we did actually talk later on that evening, he was like, D, I need you to not do that. Um, even if you don't want to talk to me, can you at least leave your phone on? Because that, sh that at least shows you that I'm trying. If your phone is off, you're not going to know that I want to try and resolve it. Um, and that's happened even to this day, not necessarily with me turning my phone off, but I don't really like dealing with it in the moment. I need to console my thoughts and think about, okay, well, what is it that I'm actually thinking? Because I'm a planner. I like to plan. I like to know what I'm doing. I like to know where I'm going. Dave is the kind of person, well, there's an issue. Let's sort it. Let's do it now. And I'm not that way inclined most of the time. Yeah, um, that was an initial um, point that we had to kind of work through was she likes more time and more time. And there was no cap on the time. So I'm just sitting there like... In my head, I'm, I'm, I've already, you know, resolved it in my head. I thought, okay, I should, I need to do this. Maybe could do this. And I've talked it out probably five times in my head, and, and I'm like, and I don't even know where she's at. I don't, I don't know. Are you still up, down? Are you in the middle? Are you okay? Are you not? So, I still allow her the time. And, and we said it's just about finding that balance between the two personalities. So I know not to jump straight into it because it, it's probably it, nine times out of ten is not the best time to talk about it but then also at the same time she knows she can have her space but don't take the mic yeah. <laughs> let's not you know keep this dragging on for, for hours um and it's been put in so many different scenarios there's when i'm away um and i'm in a different city and i'm about to go for sound check and we've had an issue that we need to sort out and but then it's in those moments you really find the beauty of unconditional love because she knows I'm on a gig. She knows I'm, I'm about to go to soundtrack. She knows what that looks like. You know, she's lived through it herself and watched me do it. She knows, oh, I'm about to go and preach, or whatever the case would be, Wh whatever I'm doing. And sometimes she's always said, I don't want to talk about it now because you're going into that. And I'm saying, I do want to talk about it now because I need to let you know how important you are to me. Forget that, you know, worship can wait. You know, we can, we can get to that later. I can put myself at the back of the um, schedule. It's fine. I'll give you these five minutes. Even if it's just five minutes just to say, are you okay? When can we talk about this? You know, those kind of conversations. So we, even in that calling off period, we still kind of touch base. And then there'll come a point, and it's sometimes earlier than I think. I'm thinking, okay, we won't talk about this until I get home from work. And then she'll call me at lunchtime. And I'm like, oh, okay. Now. <laughs> you know, and I remember that particular time with, you know, when she did turn her phone off. I think for me, the quote-unquote scariest thing was I, my life is very fast-paced. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, and I always give the example of what if I'm in China and there's a time difference and all this stuff. We, we don't have the license to really go boom and just switch off. We need to be in communication. Even if it's just one message saying, I'm still processing, talk to you later. 
and that's important. I think that's important for all, all relationships. You know what I mean? Just have some sort of communication. I'm not saying you got to have a full-blown, you know, pin, pulling the argument apart and putting it back together, but just communicate and say, still processing or I'm okay, I'm, I'm kind of cool with this, but I'm letting you have your time so we both know where we are in, in this situation. Yeah, uh, almost every time we've done a couple service, this kind of a situation comes up, and it is humorous when we share this, but it is, again, it's, it's a fact. It's statistically proven, you know. I always share the things that I learned from Dr. Cole and what have you, but these psychologists and psychiatrists who studied the difference, one of the major differences between men and women when it comes to having an altercation, an argument, or being angry, or whatever they talk about it. A man, you know, they, have, they it's like we do a skill, there's a blackboard, a whiteboard here. You know what, I'm going to say already, but it's true. A man, he's level, he comes here. If he gets angry, he, you know, he'll get angry. But in the same amount of time he took him to get angry, he goes right back down. And as far as he's concerned, it's done. <laughs> and he just goes on out. A woman normally doesn't freak out. She is a slow burn. She's on an arc, and she's moving slowly but surely, and she gets up here until it's all out World or World War Four, And, you know, and so that's where the guy reaches up, then he freaks out too, then there's rah, like that. But then the guy, when it's done, it's done. It's done. It's over. It's, but a woman, three weeks later, <laughs> she's still thinking about it. And it's the truth. A woman will come to her husband two weeks after an altercation. The guy's done, gone, 14 days, it's over, I don't even know. And she'll look at him and go, (laughs) she'll give him one of the wife looks, say, you know why I'm upset. And she's still upset about the thing two weeks ago, and a dude doesn't even, he goes, what what are we talking about? What? And and it's the truth, though. It's a funny thing. I'll just say two things on on that. Um, if, if you are like that, if you do have a longer curve, uh, when you are communicating, please please be um, honest. Kind. And, and, no, no, well, yeah, be kind. But if, if, you, if you use the word, I'm fine, it usually, to a guy, thinks you're fine. Um, so I am now going to treat you as if you are fine because you said to me, you're fine. I feel like there's a little bit of shade in that. Nope. Okay. Um... So, no, but we, <laughs> I am, I am super literal sometimes, um, a lot of the time. So I've had to learn, okay, what fine is this? But also at the same time, <laughs> seriously. It's just true. It, it doesn't, you know, this is important. This is really important because again, it's the issue of understanding how the opposite sex works. It's not, you know, if a guy does not understand that two weeks later, the woman's still coming down. And she, you know, he's got to be aware, okay, this is done as far as I'm concerned, but it ain't done as far as she's concerned. So I've got to be aware. But a woman needs to understand to a guy, it's not that he's uncaring. He's just wired differently. A guy just thinks it's done, it's dusted, I'm done. I'm not feeling it anymore, but the wife's feeling it, you know, for all this time. And I don't mean that. It's not sounding mean like Julie and I go through that all the time. She beats me up. You know. But no, it is very important because people, ha- you have to know the differences that men and women function differently. Oh, so I was, I was about to say, yeah, that was kind of for the women. Um, effective communication. 
uh, but then also for the guys, allow her to be in her emotions because I've now learned more about my own emotions and how I process things just by witnessing hers. And she's now taught me how to articulate certain things that I would just brush over and go, nope, I'm done. And sometimes she's like, like, babe, slow down, just talk. I don't want to talk about it. Babe, seriously, you need to talk about it. No, I don't want to talk about it. Well, half an hour later, <laughs> half an hour later, I get to chapter two. Um, <laughs> and it's like, wow, I don't even know what to talk about. But um, she's really good at, at bringing that out. I'm just like, I really do want to talk about it. But I talked about it for two hours. <laughs> How do we do that? But that's, that's great because now, because there's two of us becoming one, we are now more well-rounded human beings because she's now learned to maybe communicate differently to how she was before. I've learned to be more honest with my emotions. She's learned, okay, take some time but not too much time. I've learned, allow some time and when you get into resolving it, you know, make peace and go your way. Yeah, no, again, it, it, it is humorous but it is crucial and it's just that everybody operates at a different speed. You have to learn that and again, what you mentioned too, again, as they say, the number one for men, men need to understand that a woman, the number one way you minister to a woman is by listening. Because women, and again, it's the Ed Cole thing, women are detail-oriented. They're fine print people. They want details. Men are headliners. Men just, you know, that's it. But a woman has not a headline. She's got a, you know, 4,000-page novel. And so a woman... List will say, ask a man something, and the man will say, yes, no, <laughs> whatever. And then the woman gets upset because he doesn't share enough, and then she thinks he's uncaring, and then so she keeps nailing him with the fact that you're uncaring. And then the man has to understand, again, it's not that she's being, a man says, you're being a nag. You just keep nagging me. You just keep nagging me. But the fact is, again, she's not a nag. She's a woman. She needs details. So that's what part of dying to self is, is understanding that a woman, if you're a man, that you need to understand one of the best ways you can minister to her is to listen. You simply learn how to listen. And I'm going to be very careful right now. I almost said something. I would have been in big trouble. I need to pray right now. No, but you need to listen. And sometimes, like, I think kind of what you just said, you know, to a guy, you want to say, okay, uh, haven't we talked about this enough? And, but often a lady will want to talk more and more and more. But it is. So, and then we go to this other thing. I may as well say this again. Every single time we do this, I share this same truth, too. But, again, you have to hear it. Uh, men are motivated by their ego. Women are motivated by their emotions. A man has to learn how to minister to a woman's emotions. All of us men fail at that miserably after marriage. Before marriage, we know how to minister to a woman's emotions. (laughs) After marriage, we figure we done ministered to her in that area. I got what I want. Just cook me food, you know, whatever. (laughs) No, I'm just saying that's what kind of happens. You quit 
and this is why, again, you know, I, you know, and I, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm a failure at it more times than I'm a success. One of the things that a guy, you know, this, but again, like he used the word covenant. That's just so incredibly true. This is why God help us, you know, don't go to a club to find a husband or don't go to a club to find a wife. My God, you know, you need to be somewhere in the house of God where you're taught about the truth and the covenants and love and what it means to give of yourself, to, to die to yourself for the sake of others. You know, what you sow, you reap. And, and to really understand that we're covenanted one for another, like he said, it's unconditional, like he said earlier, that's so incredibly important. You know, I would get so angry at Judy sometimes. Uh, you know, it's like one of these things with me because my past, I knew I needed to get out of the house now because I didn't want to explode. I didn't want to get angry to the point that, you know, I was going to whatever. Not that I would bash her. How dare you? No. She says I hit her once. I didn't hit her. I promise you I didn't no, hit I her. I just fell over backwards. You fell over backwards. <laughs> Tailing off from that is another one of the things that is our kind of like life principles together is sacrifice versus compromise. And it was something that we developed very early on in our relationship. And the world teaches you that you should compromise in your relationship. Um, but the Bible actually doesn't talk about compromise. Um, so we learned that, well, actually, I'm going to sacrifice this time. So I might have work at 8 o'clock in the morning, but because I love you, I'm going to sacrifice my sleep, and I'm going to make sure we resolve our issues, and then I'm going to go to bed. Um, and it was something that, as I said from the beginning, that we implemented it from the very, very beginning. So when we said sacrifice, it was not just, okay, well, I'm going to sacrifice my sleep. It was sacrificing, you know, a weekend, for example, yeah. that I wanted him around, or it was sacrificing something else. And when you, ha when you live on compromise, it means that kind of you're still holding on to what your, your point was, as it were. Yeah. But if you actually say, no, I'm actually going to sacrifice whatever my point of view is, and I'm going to say, you know what, I'm going to put you first. That's one of the things that we actually then um, believe in. So. And it takes courage, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. Because Did you all get that? In other words, truth is truth. So sometimes I think I have the truth, and Ronald thinks he has the truth. But we actually have to honor each other, go to the Lord, who is the truth, and let him sort it out. Yeah. The honoring dimension is huge, because maybe you've grown up, with an honoring of the opposite sex. I sometimes get around women and they've gone through divorces and they have this men-hating thing. And, you know, I have to be careful. I don't want to be around that. My entire family went through a divorce in one year. So divorce isn't an issue. And a man-hating thing or a woman-hating thing isn't the issue. But if you've got somebody like that who's damaged individual, all you can do is back off and pray. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, how do you resolve these issues? You honor. Yeah, well, it's another one of our principles. We have quite a few life principles. So compromise, sac um, compromise versus sacrifice, as in, you know, we prefer to sacrifice. But also, um, I can't remember who it was. Sorry, just the, between Pastor the two. Ed, Pastor Ed and Laurie. Oh, Pastor Ed and Laurie. It wasn't even us. Um, talked about the triangle, um, as in woman, man, God. Yeah. And... The way I saw it, and, and we always talk about it, is every communication that goes 
between us has to go through the top. You can never go wrong. 100% of the time, when something goes wrong in the, in the right in, in the relationship or in the conversation, it's because we went from that conversation to just man to woman. So you had to battle ego, you had to battle emotions, you had to battle my past, you had to battle how that sounded and all these things that are human. But we decided to keep as much communication and we tried to do 100% communication through God and just filter it. So when we do have disagreements, I sometimes have to, in the time that she's taken, I have some time to go, okay, hmm, okay, I missed God in that one. That didn't sound like what Jesus would have said. You know, that was, that was David. That, that, wasn't, that wasn't Jesus. Um, and that's where healthy knowledge of the Bible comes in. You know, it sounds so basic, but know your Bible. Know what truth sounds like. Because when, so when I say to her, nothing can separate you from the love of your husband, she recognizes the voice of truth behind that and says, oh, that sounds like what God said to me when I was 16, 18. She has a positive memory of that undying love, that that unconditional love, and she can relate it to that. If I was to just you know, flip out and say something you know, really reckless, she knows, oh, that's, that's not God. That's not how we're trying to do this. And we did that very early on. So by the time we got to marriage, which is independent of God, as you know, the, the pastor always says, it was just a public exhibition of a very private decision to always have the three of us on display. I think um, probably a great example of that was when it came to California last year. So last year we had spoken about going to Cali together and it came out that I couldn't go, but David could go. And in my heart of hearts and in my emotions, I didn't actually want him to go because it would mean not only being away from him for a week and that by that time he'd been married for what, six months or so? Um, And we had already said that we were going to take at least six months out of ministry. So it kind of tailed into our six months, if that makes sense. And I had to make a decision and I had to go to God and be like, Lord, what is the best decision? I feel like I don't want him to go, but is he needed? And God says to me, let him go. So as much as I might have had times that were quite hard and quite um, trying, um, I knew that God had ordained him to go. So by me knowing that, knowing that truth, I was then comforted in that. Um, and some of my friends know that they got messages. I was like, I miss him. <laughs> um, but through those times, I can, I can actually say, well, Lord, I know that this you've actually said to him, said to me that he should go. And with that, I can then, it's kind of like a, you know, like a life word and a promise that God's given you. And he can kind of hold on to that. So although you may not feel it in your emotions, you have to remind yourself, okay, well, and it's kind of like the same thing with like, if you're going through a financial battle, you might be in debt, but the word says that you are free. So then you hold on to that. So although it's not manifested in the natural, you hold on to that and you're like, hey, Lord, I'm free. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm no longer in debt. So it's the same kind of principle. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad Denise brought up California because as a church, you know, California is a very pivotal moment and it's very easy to be get caught up in the supernatural and the, the spiritual element to it. But there's a very human cost 
to to these um, to ministry. Um, and as much it was as as much as it was an incredible experience to be out there and to minister, um, there was still a very human element to it that you know we're missing each other. Um, like she said, you know she didn't want me to go. I kind of see it like a Mary and Joseph situation where the angel had to show up to the other partner. And there are some situations where I'm like, Lord, I feel like I know what you're saying, but I need you to be able to communicate it to her first before I get to her because I'm not sure if I'll be able to articulate it the best way because I don't want to be just that guy that says, God has called me, I'm going. Yeah. That's very disrespectful. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Very disrespectful. Um, God has told me to leave my job, I'm leaving. No, it's, it's not that. It's actually... This is what I feel like he's saying. Here's the triangle. It's, it's, you know, yeah, here's yeah. the triangle. Here's what I feel like he's saying. What are you feeling about this? And there are sometimes just like, nope. And we work through. We have a conversation, and then we get to a point. Oh, actually, I thought this. You thought that. But this is actually where we're going to go. You know, and California is one of those points. Uh, people ask me because it was very easy to assume. Yes, David is going to California, and I said to everyone, it's not certain yet. I'm waiting for him to tell me. If, if God told me not to go to California, I would have been here on that Sunday. Yeah, you told me that when we talked yeah. about it. Said, uh, yeah, David that, Diddy said, no, honest. he said, I can't make a decision until I know it's okay with Denise. So it's that simple, which is beautiful. But you use the word sacrifice. And again, if I can, again, make this statement that we've said so many times in this church, that is a spiritual law and spiritual truth that sacrifice releases a spiritual power. And uh, that sometimes we have to have a revelation of that, just that, that, when you sacrifice, you know, in the natural mind, you think sacrifice equals a loss of something. But actually, a real, when you know it, when you know the Bible, like he said, you know, a sacrifice doesn't create a loss. It brings a release in any given area. And it's something that we have to comprehend when we do that. So that's why this year, Denise is going to California and David's staying home and he's going to be washing the dishes. Well, well. <laughs> No, but it's really good. It's really good. Lots of things. I just think it's lovely to see young people being open and vulnerable. And I think most of us who are, like we've been married over 32, 33 years, you know, there are things that you, you can look back with regret, but you actually don't because you just look at each day. It's a new day. You know the power of your words. You know the power of forgiveness. You understand it. I think it's just a question of how have you kept Christ the center? Because you're both worshippers, you know. And I think as Christians, we all know when we pray, we read the Word. But how do we keep Christ in the center of our relationships? Yeah, and Malad, forgive me, but just adding to that, I made the same thing. How has it been easy for you guys to find yourselves actually spending time praying together? Have you been able to work that too, or worshiping together, or do you, you know, how's that work? Well, initially, I'll be honest, it was difficult for me because my relationship with God was so private. It was like we go up to heaven, we talk about some stuff, and we come back down, and that's me. And I think because I wasn't able to always share it with my peers, or whether male or female, I couldn't always communicate things to people because they either didn't know or they went to a church that didn't teach certain things, um, and I didn't find it easy to make real heartfelt friendships where I can be open and vulnerable. When it came to my walk with God, it was very much me and Jesus getting 
zonked out in the corner and that's that's where we're at. And then I remember there was one particular point um, a few months after we got married with Denise was was requesting. She said, look, I want in on that. I want more of, I want to see that. And my first response was, are you sure? Because I'm a very different person inside the presence. It's not, I'm not just the same. It's a very different, and I didn't know how to share that with someone. Um, But the reality of the situation is, and Jesus just reminded me, is our relationship was birthed together in the presence of God at um, 11.11. You know, 24-hour worship. So, guys, get in the presence. That's where you find your partner, right? Okay. That's deeper than you think. Meditate on that. Um, So we were there doing 24-hour worship, and and we learned and saw each other very open and vulnerable with Jesus in this triangle. And we had a particular moment um, really early in the morning where it was just so still. People were worshipping, but within our two seats and God presiding over us, it was a very still moment. And when you remember that, it, it reminds me that I can bring her in. And so on a practical level, little things like praying before I leave for work. You know, so whether she's up or, or not, we just stop for a moment and just pray. Just touch base. Um, dinner. Um, I try not to make the dinner prayer too epic. But, you know, <laughs> you know, you start zonking out demons and whatever. You know, no, just food. Um, but, you know, we would pray and I would, I would say things in the prayer on intentionally to, to provoke a conversation. So, um, one of my, my one of the truth that Father has spoken to me about is about that money. If money is, yeah, if money is the issue, that's the least of our worries, right? And so, I would say that you know, thank you, Lord, for the provision behind this food. And whether we're at the bottom or at the top, we know that you are a provider. Even when our businesses are making us millions in our sleep, we still choose to put you first. Amen. And we start eating the food that she's probably prepared and is blessing my heart and soul and body. So, and then I'll, we'll talk about it. And we're, we're very much, that's our relationship with God. We, we just talk these things through. Sometimes we're there hours. And especially like, you know, in, in the beginning of our relationship where either one of us wasn't working or and, and our schedule wasn't as busy. And we had that time together. We just talked, you know, and we always had this in our relationship where we have those moments where we share different revelations, but more so now around that dinner table, it's just like, go for it, you know. So we still give ourselves the independence to pursue him in our own way, you know. Denise's relationship with God is, is truly inspiring. If, if any young ladies who want to know how to walk with God through your teenage years and early teens going away to university, this is, this is the book, do you know what I mean? Trust me, talk to Denise, she will give you as much advice. And it's great advice. And I saw it, and it's been great to draw from that. And also she draws from some of the things I have. So when I have my visions and I'm coming back to earth, I don't just keep it to myself. But I say, oh, babe, this is what I saw. You know, she may not understand what I'm talking about, but she knows we have that conversation. Have you got a specific Bible verse that you know God gave you both? There's a few. So recently we decided to um, do like a promise wall. And so it's literally just different verses and promises and whether they're truths 
that he actually calls out as a promise or just some maybe something that I've read. I was like, oh, that, that could work. And when we were like starting the process, we were like, oh, okay, yeah, that's a good, that's a good verse. And there were some, there were some verses in Isaiah, I think. And um, I went to my Bible in my um, iPad and I literally had, I was like, oh yeah, I tagged them all as D&D. And I literally was like, whoosh. And there were so many. And I was like, oh, okay. So, um, you know, this promise wall that we said we wanted to start doing, I think, I think I might have a few for us to actually do, um, to actually put up. And I can't think of the one that was, the one that's like right at the end. I, I can't remember. I think for us, it's not so much one for us, but we always strive to find one in every situation. So when it's finances, okay, what's Jesus saying about this? And now that we've talked and been honest about how we feel, what's, what's the word saying? Um, those of you who know me, I, I love memorizing scriptures and, and there's often times where Denise would know it and she'd call that, she'd finish it off and then I'll finish it off and we both have that moment of sharing, actually, this is the revelation I've held on to or even sharing from our past experiences. How did you deal with not having as much money as you wanted back at university? Oh, this scripture blessed me. Oh, I've never seen that one. You know, and really being honest with yourself as a couple to to let your wife, who may not be the one going out and preaching every week or whatever, still bless you with a scripture. You know, and going back to you know when we were leading youth, that was one of the moments that struck out to me. We were leading the youth one week, and she she used a scripture from Song of Solomon. I had never heard someone use a scripture from Song of Solomon, and she broke it apart and was teaching youth. And I stood in the corner, and I was like. Wow, because there's not many times I get stumped. Like, <laughs> this, wow, I, I never heard it that way, and, and that for me was important. And we still have that now, in, you know, sharing. Do you want to share anything else? It's on your heart. I think just as on a more general point, literally, guys, when people are in relationships, whatever part of the relationship they are in, even if they've been married for 10, 15 years. We have to also still be careful to let them have the space to be married, you know, and, and to just enjoy that moment. You know, if they don't want to, uh, if they're only coming to half of Chosen because they want to spend some time with their wife, that's fine. You know, I know in years previously they were there on the Wednesday setting up, but if that particular year they were like, you know what, I just want to spend some time with my wife or with my husband, that's fine. Do you know what I mean? And let people be married, let people be dating, and don't always be, <laughs> oh, have you done this? Or have you spoken to pass about Just let it be. You know, and trust the grace of God to direct us through the waters of, of relationships. And I think also, like, when we, before we even got engaged, because everyone saw that this is probably outside of church, but our wider friends were like, well, you know, you guys were great together, and, you know, it would be great, like, you'll be a great wife to David. And I was like, I'm just enjoying being his girlfriend. Like, I'm not even, as much as I wanted that, and I was definitely praying towards that, I was enjoying just being his girlfriend i was enjoying just getting to know him um and when we did get engaged i got to know him as my fiance and what would what was that like and now that he's now my husband i'm now seeing another side of him and so um they all kind of tell the two points kind of tailing together but um yeah just being sensitive and sometimes you know give people space but, you know, this is something that we can all work on because in heaven there is no fear of the invasion of your privacy. 
it's very different. You know who you are. You know what you are. People know if you're sad. There is nothing not healed. There are no tears. Everything is blessed. So when we pray and we sing songs about heaven on earth, um, it's not always easy to be vulnerable because people laugh at you, take advantage of you. You can't always trust them. Maybe their boundaries are different to your boundaries or your expectations. So personally, I think this is very valuable, these kind of ministry times. Because we not only get to know you, we get to honor you as a married couple. And I think you mentioned last week, there, there are relationships that we have, but then there's a marriage relationship. It's a different, special, holy alliance before God. And you're not ever going to get close to somebody who's married like you might want to. Because Jesus wants it that way. There's an honoring that's coming. But personally, I think it's really wonderful that we're all getting to know each other better after the heart and getting to learn this culture of honor that there is in heaven. And just want to say thank you. You guys have done really well. Let's give them a... Amen. 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 I agree. Uh, I just want to, again, put an exclamation point on what what we said earlier, which is what you just both wanted to finish with, is just in every church, for some reason, it's just the way it is, it's human nature, some of the most well-meaning people say things that put pressure on you. And, you know, the human heart is an amazing thing. I mean, you know, you can say, you can have 15 people say something to you on a given day and nothing affects you, it's no big deal whatsoever. But part of the heart of real ministry is when you learn that there are other times when, for whatever the reason is, your heart is very, very vulnerable. Have you ever had somebody, in other words, say something to you that any other time wouldn't have bothered you? And it wasn't even that they, it's just that you were at a place in time, where, God, that hurt. Or, man, it, it sure didn't help. You know what I mean? And this is why, again, in Christ, we have to learn to, like Julie just said, it's about honor. It's about honoring one another. It's about not talking too much, and it's about, it's about learning how to just, you know, be careful because words can build and words can kill. And again, well-meaning people say things all the time, and they need to be very careful about it sometimes. Like I said, particular when it comes to relationship, if there's one thing God wants in this hour, it's, it's, in, you know, it's men and women who actually love each other. You know, it's husbands and wives. It's a family because that's what the whole, you know, spirit of the day has destroyed. It's destroyed the sense of family. I was told a story when I was in uh, high school, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17. It was unheard of. We never heard about anybody ever being divorced. I mean, when somebody somebody came one day and said, hey, so-and-so, their dad doesn't live at home. They're divorced. Everybody would look and go, what? You're kidding me. I mean, really, only guys our age, you know, as old as dirt, understand this. But, you know, it was like unheard of. That was so flipping rare, man. Wow, they're divorced. That's critical because, you know, everything, it wasn't like that when I grew up. And, of course, now we all know the issue is if somebody isn't divorced or hasn't gone through a divorce, they're the ones that are strange. You know what I mean, to say the least. So when it comes to this issue of picking the right mate, do not be in a hurry. God knows perfect timing. And again, it's the basic scripture when 
believers get saved, Matthew 6, 33, just really, you just keep following Jesus. Seek Him first. What can I say? Seek Him first. And just you'll just discover. You'll just suddenly, you'll turn around, and just like they're kind of sharing, we're friends, but suddenly you turn around and you see more than a friend. But you're still patient, and suddenly you realize that person talks to you, and all of a sudden there's that chemistry. And then you begin to ask, you begin to watch them and listen. And again, what God really wants is for us to see things from heaven's perspective. And we look at somebody and say, you know, is this a woman who will reverence God? Is this a man who will actually reverence God? If he doesn't, ladies, you don't want him in your life. Full stop. There's a lot of phony Christians out there too. Ladies. And men, there are a lot of, uh, you know, there's some girls out there that aren't super, supercharged in the spirit either. But I'm just saying we need to be very aware of our choices because, again, uh, please do, but, again, I always, again, quoting Ed Cole. Uh, like I said, he, he ruined my life. I can't talk about anything without mentioning something he said. He said, God has made heaven the closest thing on earth you will ever experience to either heaven or hell. Marriage. I'm sorry. He made marriage the closest thing on earth you'll ever experience to either heaven or hell. If you marry the wrong person, it can destroy your ministry. It can destroy this, that, and the other. I don't care who you are. This is why marrying the right person is the most crucial decision you'll make outside of making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Um, One of the things I definitely wanted to um, share, and I completely forgot, was that making... Lord Jesus Christ, the, the Savior of your life, and making that be your focus, everything else will kind of fall into line. So whether it's, you know, you're 35, 55, 50, if he is your focus, everything else just falls into line. So for me, one of my life um, verses is Matthew six thirty-three. you know, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and everything else will fall into place. And when I decided on, when I was really young, to take this walk with Christ, it wasn't something that I took very lightly. It was something that I was like, Lord, I really want to do this. I really want to put you first with everything, whether it's my career, whether it's my job, whether it's my family. Whatever the decision is, I want you to be first. And it has never failed me. It has never failed me to the point where I've known this guy for 12, almost 20, like 15 years. And he was literally sitting under my nose. And people, I remember having a conversation with Emma Hornback and just having a girly chat. And we were like, oh, you know, like, who's that in your life? I was like, I'm not talking to anyone. They're not even on the horizon. That was the thing that I used to actually say. They're not even on the horizon. And he was right under my nose. <laughs> I was and, in the church serving with her in the youth when she made that statement. And <laughs> it's, have, it's making that decision that, Lord, you know what? I want you to be the Lord of my life. And once you make that decision and you make it um, become so true and so real, everything else falls into, falls into line. Your, your, your finances, whether it's this, whether it's that. And when we both made that decision to, you know, in 2011, Lord, you know what? I'm just focusing on you. When we actually both said that to God, that's then what birthed us becoming 
together. And then there was about eight months of us just seeking the Lord individually. And then after that eight months, it was, oh, hello. <laughs> He's all right. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where things I, I remember when you saw it was all right, because I remember pulling back the curtain and how you grabbed him and kissed him. And it was really embarrassing. Yeah, it, it was quite embarrassing, but I, I, I learned from you. That's why. It's, you were bold. I know that. It scared me. I just had a prompting. I want to pray. And you guys just burst that bubble. <laughs> but anyway, can we just bow our heads? And can we just pray and say, thank you, Jesus, that you have perfect timing for the gifts of other human beings to come into our lives, for hearts to be turned and changed. We pray in Jesus' name. If there's anyone in here, I forgot to ask if you're here for the first time. If there is anybody in here and you've never actually given Jesus your heart, would you just give him your heart right now? And by that, you might have been a churchgoer for a long time, but you've never really trusted him for his timing. And I pray that you'd make a decision right now. You may be in a really horrible situation. You may be through a horrible situation, but it's not really resolved yet. But you know, Jesus knows how to resolve everything. His Father is our Father. The Holy Spirit is our helper. And there is a perfect timing to salvation and to the gifts. And you may just want to acknowledge right now that God has a gift of that human being in your life to be right, to be your soulmate, to be your partner, to, to find the direction that you need to go to position yourself. God may just be requiring of you your obedience to do something. It may be very small in your eyes, but pray and say, Father, I'm sorry I've tried to make things happen in my way, in a worldly way, but I know that I want your Holy Spirit to bring me into the position of a winner, of an overcomer, of a person who attracts goodness and shares goodness. And so we pray right now for healing in relationships, healing from the Spirit so it's permanent in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, again, thank you guys so much. You did a great job. We really appreciate it. Hallelujah. We believe you've really enjoyed this message. For further information, visit www.commonwealthchurch.org and feel free to join us on any Sunday 